You're listening to Fixing 101 right here on MPB Think Radio. The Handyman Hangout may be closed, but we're taking a look back at some of our favorite and most interesting calls that we've received right here on the show. Enjoy. Welcome back. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHI Certified Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl, and Licensed Contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Our guest today is John Abel from Abel's Premier Pest. You know, it's funny. We've talked talked squirrels on this show, uh, and in the past we've talked raccoons and possums and everything else. Uh, One of the things that you mentioned when you came in today is that you got more bats than you can deal with all of a sudden. What is that? Well, the thing with bats is nobody ever looks up, okay? Right. And the reason we deal with, I mean, they don't. They walk around their house and look at the bottom and they Except never look up. Except an inspector. I mean, we, a, we look up all the time. Yeah, I mean, you know, doing home inspections, they run into those uh, those situations a lot. Right. Okay? But homeowners in general uh-huh. never look up. That's why you walk around and the fascia boards falling off the house because they never look at it. Right. You know? Uh, but the houses, you know, with bats, and in uh, this time of year, uh is you go to bed earlier or you're outside earlier. Right, like, yeah. It's dark, darker early. Dark, you get home right. and you see bats flying around. During the summertime, by 9 o'clock, when it's starting to get dark, you're in the house, usually watching TV, so you don't notice that many bats. But this time you right. see them flying around your house because you're still outside just coming home from work. Right. So we get a lot more calls this time of year. Really? Yes. And and between May and August, it's kind of a, a iffy time with bats because they are protected and you can't uh-huh. harm their young and that's their breeding area. Time, right. So you have to be very careful that time. But we have a lot of bats in Jackson. Wow. A lot. A lot. Okay. And you know, uh, so how do you know you've got bats? And what we see is, um, I'll never, I just, if I open up that attic door and it smells like a cat's been peeing Mm. up there, I close that door very quickly. (laughs) Is that is that an indication that there's bats? It smells like a a cat litter box. Well, it's a strong ammonia smell. It's kind of like a chicken house. If you've ever spent been around chicken house, I mean, it's kind of a little bit sweeter smell. But that's one indication because. when you walk around your home, if there's gaps in your fascia board, uh-huh. uh, about an inch wide, right, or you've got a, an exposed gable vent, right, uh, they get up in that gable vent, and they get up in that, because what happens is heat escapes from your home. Right. And they're mammals, they want to be warm also. Mm-hmm. So they'll get up in there, and they'll hang out, and they'll breathe. But once they get behind that fascia board, they'll hang out there, and they, they have droppings, which they drop on the ground. Right. And that's one indication is you walk around your house, and if you see what you think is rodent droppings, you're not going to find those outside in, in quantities like that. So you're more than likely have bats if you have a quantity in a certain area. Okay. So, It'll wow. be dripping down the side of that gable vent yep. or down the side of the fascia. Yep. That's horrible. Well, but you have to think about it. I mean, bats are not all that bad. No, they're not bad. No, bats eat a lot of mosquitoes. And, and too, now, if bats get in your house, that is a covered loss on most homeowner policies. So well, apparently they cause a bad smell. Well, it, there's more it's than a that. It's, issue. Yeah, it's the the, the guano. Yeah, the guano is is um, is toxic. Well, it carries the HEPA. Okay, it carries the HEPA virus, the bird flu, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and also in their in their uh, oh in their guano or fecal matter. Mm-hmm. You know, eight percent of the bats have the rabies virus, and it's also pushed out through their fecal matter and mm-hmm. the, the virus is still in their fecal matter so it's oh, wow yeah so it's something that we deal with you know when i when i vacuum it up when i have a I have a special filter on my machine and i vacuum it up and we we destroy it we don't just put it in the ground we destroy right. it 
So, you know. How do you destroy it? We put it in a um, incinerator. incinerator. Oh, wow. And, um, but, you know, we destroy it. And also it um, it is, uh, if you have a breakage in your ventilation system in your home, like your air ducting mm-hmm. system, and you have bat and it gets dry, uh-huh. that's one of the problems. And it's also with rodent feces, too, is fecal matter. Oh, okay. it's, it's breakages. So. All right, let's go to uh, go to the phone. Kathleen's on the line in Osaka. What's going on, Kathleen? Well, I was real concerned about slugs. Now I'm all paranoid about, <laughs> about bats. Yeah, <laughs> took, you, took your mind off the rain. All right, kind of doom and gloom today, haven't right. we? Well, I got a quick question about folklore, and then I'll tell you a short one. Uh, is there a remedy to get rid of slugs? A old lady in New Orleans on Esplanade Avenue told me this. They used it for years, and I didn't have any luck. Beer in a kind of like a little trough and make a roll of newspaper. And you put one lip outside the little trench and douse it with news, uh, beer. And that they'll follow the beer and go round and round the newspaper. You just throw the newspaper out. I, I never had any. All right, Kathleen, I've got something for you. I was told that if you put out like a little saucer full of beer, that the snails would come to it and then for some reason die. And I tried it at my home one time years ago, and I woke up in the morning with five dead snails in the beer, and it was yeah. shocked. Wow. I tried that once; it did work. Really? I put it out in my garden. Yeah, a little cap of. I forgot about that. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's uh, yeast in the beer, you know, mm-hmm. off the hops, and uh, that's an attractive to them. You know, they feed on dog food, anything yeah. with carbs. Um, so I mean, it's, it's possible that it could work. You know, is is you roll them up in the paper, uh, you know. That would be, I guess, arduous maybe uh, to do that every single day, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure it would probably work. You'll have to have an excuse to pop a beer every day, Kathleen, <laughs> to make this work properly. Hey, look, after I did my episode with them, that there was no no bars hold. Right. <laughs> sleeping in my bed with my big cat, BB, and all of a sudden something plopped on my shoulder. Well, I thought it was BB. I'm turning around, a freaking bat. I want you to know, with heart trouble, all beat up and both of those, all the stuff, I flipped them covers over, thought I caught the bat in it, ran out the door with my birthday suit, shaking the the thing, and the bat's not in the blanket. I couldn't sleep for days. Finally, I had to call. Uh, We're not uh, laughing at you. So you could laugh with me. It wasn't really funny. It's like, who wants to see naked granny on the back chasing the bat? But, uh, that is funny, though. It was coming in from the drop door into the ceiling. Yeah. Oh. And it's quite, how it got through that little bitty thing, but my heart will never be the same. Well, you know, what I say could never be the same. No. <laughs> you know, people panic uh, with bass. Bass aren't that bad. I mean, you know, everybody's like, you know, you watch the vampire movies and things like that. And that gives the bats a, a bad rap. But this is what I tell people. Because I've had bats because I work with them. I've had them come out on me and land on me. And the worst thing to do is freak out and start slapping them because they will bite you. Okay? So what you do, and I know this is really, really hard, and I'm going to tell you a story. It's really hard to do is once they land on you, don't panic and start slapping at them. Let them close their wings, and once they do that and they'll close their mouth, they go into safe mode. When their wings are expanded, they are in protective mode with their mouth open, and they will bite you. 
once they close down and they settle down, then you take it back your hand or something and wipe them off of you. Uh, I told one girl that, and she said, "I will as I'm running down the road." You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I was just it, thinking of that. If you started that with "after the bat lands, lands on you," on yeah. and I was like, "That's where most people stop because that's where they passed out." Right, right there. Well, here, here's one thing and I, I, on the bat thing, real quick, um, and, and this is just to let you guys know: is rabies virus in bats make bats sick? I mean, they don't just have it and not bother them. They are they get sick just like we do. So if you find a bat in what we call a non-normal area, like sitting on the floor, uh-huh. that is not normal That's for a bat. That's a sick bat. That is a sick bat, or in the yard on the mm-hmm. ground. Mm-hmm. He's, either damn, he's either injured or sick, okay, or he's, he's laying flat somewhere. Bats hang. I don't care what it's from, uh-huh. they hang. So if you find one that's not, then that's an indication that it's a sick bat. You need to stay away from it and use caution when you have somebody come get it. That's some great advice. I would that's appreciate a, that, that's John. Very, yeah. Okay, I have a question. Aren't they um, like nocturnal, so they don't move around a lot during the day? They don't like to. They will, but they don't like to. I mean, if you, if you, if you knock one off the nest, it will fly off into a tree, but they are nocturnal. They don't like the daylight at all. Yeah. All right. All right, we're on our way. Bert is on the line in Ridgeland. What's going on, Bert? Two questions. You can answer them in the order you uh, prefer. Jeff, what's your hang-up with a disposal? <laughs> and secondly, did y'all figure out if there was a pig in that guy's background? I don't know. <laughs> I swear I thought there was. And I, I think kept so. thinking during the call, is he running over the little thing on the side of the road? Is that what's happening? I, mean, I don't know. I think it was in the back seat. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Jeff, go with uh, disposals. Okay. Well, look. We've got a plumbing system, and in my opinion, is not designed to start shoving everything we can find down that kitchen sink and grind it up and send it through the plumbing system. I just, I just don't think it's a good idea. Um, I, I think it's a better idea if you, if you can do a compost in your yard everybody can use that and then plant your tomatoes in i mean it's it, it it's great fertilizer for the soil uh it's not good fertilizer for your plumbing system plain, <laughs> well plain it, it, it the compost may be great fertilizer for the soil but my wife does not care for the uh uh varmint buffet right okay now, um, no, I get now i don't put grease or bones in the disposal but essentially organic matter vegetables fruits bread well you know what is funny uh bert i did i i i never knew the limits of a uh of of a garbage disposal until i put a rice dish in there and you find out you find out real quick plumbing and rice never never mix never that's right and it blew it blew my pipes out yeah, there's stuff you can do to, to make sure those blood, I mean, putting ice down in them or, you know, you can cut a lemon up and put down in there just to keep it. You know, I just bought one for a friend. We're going to install it. I think if correct use, it's OK. But my exception is and let's go back to our previous caller. You better not have a disposal system if you're on septic. On septic yeah. OK. All right. Uh, all right. Does that help you out, Bert? Uh, well, 
Inquiring minds still want to know about the pig, but thanks for the disposal. <laughs> Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. The pig. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. The Handyman Hangout may be closed, but we're taking a look back at some of our favorite and most interesting calls that we've received right here on the show. Enjoy. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Pam Pibus, ASHE Certified Inspector at Inspector at Inspect It Like a Girl. girl. They're words and they have to come out of my mouth. And licensed contractor Jeff Sammons from Houseworks. Okay, you guys ready? I'm hoping you can help with an issue I'm having with my shower floor. It's a four-by-four walk-in fiberglass shower located in a basement of the house. Recently, I noticed a couple of soft spots in the floor of the shower. Also, one of the spots, there is a small crack forming. Uh, I know there's a repair kit product that fixes cracks in fiberglass showers, but my question is more about the soft spots and how to fix fill them. I've seen YouTube videos where holes are drilled in for stabilizing foam, uh, but I'm not sure if that's the best option. Any advice on how to fix this and what may be causing it? Um, and go. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff? Yeah, shower in a... Y'all want me to handle this one? (laughs) (laughs) I want to, I want to replace the shower. So. So um, you don't feel like there's a, a a proper repair for this situation. I, I don't, I don't feel there's a, proper repair that will last uh-huh. i think they're band-aid um i, I want to i want to replace the shower unit providing you said it's in the basement and that's that's the key word right there providing i can get it in the house without you know tearing down walls and stuff right and chances are in the basement i can do that right yeah, we have so many basements here in central Mississippi. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we it, have so much experience with and, and the last two, basement. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Pam, but uh, uh, another reason for my thinking on this one, these shower units are not expensive. Yeah. I'm going to spend more money, I think, trying to fix this thing than, than if I just install new. Well, and and when when you install new, you get to really shore up that base that seems to be uh, declining. And typically, just just from what I've seen, typically it's from uh, it's, it's from plumbing issues up under it, kind of wearing away at the 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 foundation of the the whatever you put down. You know. Yeah, so, you know. What do you I, not I, see? I, yeah, I've got my. I've got my thoughts. I'm thinking there's other things going on and, you know, trying to put a bandaid on it is not just something I'm a hundred percent believing in. Right. Yeah. And you can just, this, this is where you get your sawzall and your um, sledgehammer. Yeah. Well, and I will say, I, I do want to caution folks, uh, unless you're like you uh, repair cars for a living, like a, a body person, um, fixing cracks in fiberglass is not an easy thing to do well, unless you know what you're doing. 
Um, and you can there's lots of uh, lots of kits and things like that that you can that you can learn how to do. But the strength is just never quite the same in those fiberglass things. You know what it's going to be, Jason? It's going to be like you in that toilet. Me in the what? (laughs) You're going to spend all that time, and what you really just needed was a new toilet. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes, all the the 17 repairs to the toilet before I finally just, you know, hit it with a sledgehammer and forget it. (laughs) Now, you know, Pam, you're you're the kettle calling the pot black now. (laughs) Why is that? I remember your toilet story. Right. Yeah. Hey, I did. I tried everything, but then I just stowed it up and waited for an opening with a plumber. Right. <laughs> that came over. Right. But I wanted to tell you about my uh, my basement story. You know, we have so many basements here in Central Mississippi. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Right. Um, I opened up a uh, this is over in Bellhaven, and they had one of those trap doors. So I had to. Good Lord, that thing was heavy. So I pull up that trap door, and I look down there, and I was like. I think there's a, it was a swimming pool. There was no. so much water down there. Oh, oh okay. And then I went down a couple of stairs and I had my flashlight and I was looking all over and sitting in the water was an electric water heater. Oh, fun. And it was working. <laughs> I was like, this is where the inspector deems it unsafe and right. will not proceed any further. Right. <laughs> all right. Horror stories from the inspection show. Here we go. Uh, on the line, we've got uh, Tom. Is that right? Tom and Brandon? What's going on, Tom? Uh, good morning. Uh, first, let me say I am not a DIYer. Uh, I was in sales, and I sold one uh, one more of whatever I was selling and hired the experts like y'all. So, uh, Let's not get just, crazy with I'm, that word, y'all, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> now, now that you're giving out the uh, advice for free, I thought I'd take advantage of it. Uh, yesterday, I was tip pruning some azaleas I have along a back wall of my house, and they're about two foot away from the wall. Uh, and as I was behind them, I felt some soft spots, and I pulled back the uh, pine uh, mulch and found a, about a 15-yard wide length, uh, the length along the wall. Uh, holes, some were about a foot and others were just holes, and uh, I could see all the way down to the bottom of the foundation, actually. Now, I didn't come across any roots, so I don't think it's anything to do with the azaleas. I did have where my gutter came apart from the fascia board, uh, and I don't know how long that was happening until I found it and hired someone to fix it. Uh, Or, uh, you know, my worst fear, I guess, would be some kind of burrowing animals. Uh, Any advice on that? And what I might should do about it? Uh, yeah, thank you for pulling the mulch away from your house. Mulch next to a house is such a bad idea. Um, it, it might look pretty, but it's going to invite. I mean, it's like a party for the rodents. Right. They're like, oh, mulch against the house. Let's go over there and hang Free out beds. for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so I would pull all that mulch out. What I did and what I recommend my clients do is pull the mulch away and come back with some type of a landscaping stone or something that is not going to be organic next to the house and then start your mulch after that. Um, but yeah, I would a little, probably a little gravel, a little, yes. you know, gravel walkway or, you know, a foot out. 
Yeah, um, I use slag. I just I yeah. use the slag, and it just packs down in there, and it keeps. Then I don't have to deal with. Hey, with let's uh, hang on. Bag. What what would you say? And someone may have missed that. What is slag? Slag is the uh, correct me on this, Jeff, but it, it's the byproduct of steel. Whenever they're manufacturing, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. It, it's 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 not expensive. Not expensive, um, and it's raw. And another plus. Another plus to that, once you get that vegetation away from your house, you can you can almost do your, your own, you know, bug exterminating. Just get your your chemical on a pump up sprayer and go ahead and spray it once a month. Yeah, um, I mean, it's really it, it, it's really helpful. We don't do it on a regular basis, and we should. Uh, but Pam is exactly right. Pull that vegetation away from your house. Put your slag, your gravel, limestone, or whatever down there. Good thing and it is. And it sounds like, uh, I mean, sorry. Bill, I'm sorry. Tom, you were talking about the overflow on your gutter. Probably what's happening is that you were getting overflow on that gutter because it had pulled away from the fascia. And that was creating. So now you've got you've got a double invitation to all the rodents because now they've got water. <laughs> they've got mulch. So you've got to solve your gutter problem, and then I would dig that out really good, and um, and then come back with some type of a slag or something. Okay. So you're you're saying fill in the uh, holes with slag? I, I filled it in with sand, but uh... no, sand is good. No, 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 no. The sand is good to kind of go down. Sand is a leveling component, so that's right. great. You can use the bags of sand, and then just don't put mulch on top of it anymore. Come back with that slag or some gravel instead yeah and tom um it's it you've picked something that is is great because most landscapers can do exactly what what pam is talking about so this is not something that uh as far as grabbing um uh, you know grabbing the mulch away from your house and replacing it with something like slag or whatever you choose to uh, is something that a contractor like that could handle i would think okay all right. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks Thank a lot, sir. We advice. appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Instead of doing what we normally do, I'm going to go straight to the phone real quick because Don has been on the line for like seven minutes in mailfuls uh, trying to get through. What's going on, Don? Hey. Um, so I've got a an old house that my parents have inherited from my grandfather and it's it's like 100 years old uh it's got two big issues one is that when it was built uh it's a a brick house that's got a huge footing six foot wide for the perimeter wall and portions of it are sinking faster than other portions of it so the whole house is kind of uh cracking in some areas um and so i was wondering if y'all could like tell me you know what type of that's the person I'm looking to, I would need to talk to to get to. Um, wow. And then also, yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's start there before we move to a second question. Um, so, Jeff, Pam, what sort of person yeah. are we looking for for this house sinking into the mud? Okay. Um, the guy you need or the company you need is a foundation company. Let them go out there, evaluate the situation. And again, before I'm going to hire the foundation company, I'm going to get a structural engineer out there to recommend 
to me what needs to be done, then I'm going to call my foundation contractor and get their opinion and share that information with the foundation company. Okay. Yeah. And what I would add to that too, Jeff, is since it's so old and when it was built, my guess is that there was no soil boring done. Oh yeah. No. Right. Yeah. To get you some information on what kind of uh, dirt you're built on in the first place, you may want to get a soil boring because they'll tell you how far down really you need to go. And that just helps with the information. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. So you had another question about the flooring in said home, correct? Right. So the brick foundation has little uh, pockets in it where all of the joists in the floor, instead of being like set on something, they run into the brick wall. Um, and then over the years, the, the temperature fluctuations and the sweating, all of those, uh, pretty much all of those boards have rotted out right at the wall. And so there are spots in the floor that just, like, have sunk down, and so they're literally like a trampoline between the boards. Um, I didn't know if y'all had any tips on, you know, techniques to replace those. Got a sawzall? <laughs> that's, how, that's how I took out one room, but it was right. um, time-consuming. I didn't right. know. <laughs> only else, uh, the only other thing I can think. a sawzall think... and a sledgehammer? Right. Anything faster is a match. You know I mean? There's... Right. Right. Now, okay, wait a minute. Now, you've you got me thinking, are you sure that you have foundation movement, or do we just have rotten wood? Is the actual piers well, under the home sinking? So this house actually isn't on piers. As far as I know, the brick foundation is a pyramid shape where the wall would be, and it goes right. to about four feet wide at the base of the pyramid that's about four feet in the ground and then right channel it pyramids up to about a foot wide at the ground level and then there's a there's a three brick wall thick that goes up about 30 feet um i know in the 70s my grandfather had somebody come out and they they completely tore down one of like a third of the house and then rebuilt it with a concrete foundation uh, to stop that. But now the other half of the house is sinking faster. <laughs> I got you. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm going to go back to the engineer. Get the, get the engineer out there. Now, as far as your wood, that is, if I'm understanding this correctly, the floor joists run into that foundation wall. Correct? Right, right. Okay, so it's like they're sitting there, and then they more or less bricked around the floor joists. Correct. Okay, a couple schools of thought, and again, I think I'm going to get with my engineer on that, but my, my knee-jerk is I'm going to attach uh, treated lumber to that wall, and then I'm going to use a joist hanger to hang my floor joists onto the the timber that I have attached to that um, to that brick wall, but then again, all this needs to be coordinated with the engineer. Yeah, the engineer, that, the engineer, right. what his report is probably going to have a lot to do with that floor too. Right, right. Well, 
Well, and make okay. sure whenever you, because um, I was actually had this conversation with somebody the other day, whenever you interview your engineers, whenever you give them a call, you tell them what's going on and you want them to go down underneath that house and tell you what's going on. You don't want them just um, running elevations on the inside of the house. You want somebody who's going to suit up and go down there and take you a lot of photographs and then give you some type of a solution that is uh, specific to that house and those those issues because that sounds like something that's unusual it's not your just run-of-the-mill problem you're dealing with and this is what happens in old houses i mean we're headed down i'll be in Bellhaven the last part of this week and you just deal with old houses that have been and and jeff i mean what i see is that when the old house was built it was fantastic and then we started remodeling it and screw it up (laughs) well another thing too pam and the listeners think about this this house was built a hundred years ago. We we made a tremendous amount of improvements through that hundred years. Um, right. I.e. air conditioning, insulation. When that house was built, we 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 did not have the insulation that we have today. We did not have the air conditioning that we have today. So I'm assuming that we have incorporated these new products inside this 100-year-old envelope, which is a great thing, but it has to be done correctly. You could have a ventilation problem under the house, um, which would contribute to the dampness and the wood rot. So there's there's a lot of things that are going on that we've got to set back. Let's take our time. And say, wait a minute, guys, let's do this right. Let's do it one time. You're listening to Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is fixit101 at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. You're listening to Fixin' 101 right here on MPB Think Radio. The Handyman Hangout may be closed, but we're taking a look back at some of our favorite and most interesting calls that we received right here on the show. Enjoy. All right. uh, Jerry's on the road right now. He's got a comment on a uh, uh, last week's show. What what was your comment about, Jerry? Hey, yes. I was listening to to it, and uh, a gentleman called in and and bought the cooktop. We had the granite countertop with the gap. Yes. Yeah, there was. Let me let me remind everybody so they know what you're talking about. We had a caller. They called in. They had a a cooktop that went into a granite countertop, and the cooktop was a little smaller. And we suggested using a spacer type thing. Uh, I believe we suggested metal when all was said and done. Uh, But what was your idea, Jerry? I had that similar situation, and what I did, I went to a granite place where they you know, cut up granite, and they had a stack of granite that they cut loose from other granite that they just tossed over. And I went through it, and I found a piece that's 
very, very close to granite that I had. And they, and I had my measurement, and they actually cut it for me. They didn't charge me for it. And I uh, put a little one, cut a little piece of one by on the back of the school's end and glued it on both ends and, and just um, pushed the sole up against me. And it was, you wouldn't notice the difference. Wow. That's amazing. You went over and above. That is fantastic. Yep. D- did you get that, Jeff? I did. That's a great idea. Uh, I guess you can go and find something that looks like your granite countertop, have it cut to fit that space, and away we go. Did you just, uh, uh, Jerry, did you see you glued it in there? Yeah, uh, so two one-bys on each end to get something to rest on it. Yeah. I screwed it and glued it, put a little glue on each end just to hold it in place, and the weight of the stove actually kept holding in as well. Huh. Okay. Great idea, man. I appreciate that. Okay. There we go. Thank you, sir. You know, we're talking about things where you can stay home in your own backyard today and and doing things that can make a difference. One of the things that we redid recently was mounting of a mailbox, uh, you know, a post hole. And I learned something on this show, uh, I guess, about a a year or two ago from a caller who said, hey, if you're doing a, a like a fence post or something like that, you don't have to use concrete. And one of the suggestions brought to us here was use pea gravel. So I went out and I got some of the pea gravel. And uh, if you put, you know, probably three, four inches at the bottom of your hole of pea gravel and then set your set your um, set, set the, the pole in there, uh, go ahead and, and level it out to where you want and then pour the pea gravel around that. Uh, up to the point where you you know a couple inches from from the top, and then use soil to cover that portion. But uh, the person who called and told me about that here said that well, it's going to keep the water off of the wood because it gives it place for the water to disperse into the soil instead of the soil actually touching the piece of wood. Uh, and no, it does not move. I pity the fool that hits that mailbox. So. Um, have you guys heard you know what that? you could do too, Jason? Because it's funny because you said staycation. And I was like, what are you doing? You're like sitting in your lawn chair around your mailbox? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, what is there to do but wait for people to come to the house with deliveries? For somebody yeah. to bring me mail. It's the only right. company I get all day long. Right. Well, you could do, take that take that application and put a post in your backyard and put in a birdhouse or a yeah. bird feed. You know, I haven't talked about that in a while, but we've had several birdhouses. On my Facebook about a month ago, I posted a picture. I stuck a camera inside one of the uh, one of the uh, birdhouses because I had to fix it because the uh, – anyway, the top came off. I fixed it. But I took a picture, and there were eggs in there, robin eggs, absolutely gorgeous. Well, I went back and took another picture this past week, and it was four baby birds with their mouths open. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. That's what I got. I've got a bunch of birdhouses in the back, and I just really enjoy watching those come up. It's very fun if you are done with Netflix. Anyway, 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. I got another question that involves flooring here, and uh, I'm going to give you guys a shot. Okay. In the guest bathroom of my home, the previous owner laid ceramic tile directly onto the subfloor. Obviously, the lack of an underlayment or any self-leveling has caused all the tiles to break and crack just be all an ugly nuisance. I'm really struggling with what is the easiest, cheapest way to get the ceramic tiles and grout 
off the wood subflooring so I can lay vinyl planks that will require glue or should I just put new subfloor down and cover old grout after I pull up the ceramic? Thanks, guys. Amy, what do you think, Jeff? Uh, well, okay, The uh, if you're going to put ceramic, you need quarter-inch hardy board. It's got enough flex in it to keep the... Um, yeah, I, I, I bet what happened, the grout started cracking, the tile um, come... Right. The tile came undone. Uh, they, they missed one critical step there, and that was quarter, a quarter-inch hardy. Um, there's a couple things you can do. It's a small area. Pull the entire subfloor up. Go back with new subfloor. But on a conventional, I'm, I'm going to recommend that, that underlayment of quarter-inch hardy at least. If you've got enough room, use half-inch hardy. Really? Or not, it's not hardy board like our siding. It's hardy right. underlayment. Okay. Okay. Um, and does that feel kind of like a more of a like cement kind of feel? Concrete? Yeah, yes. Yes. Very much so. And then on top of that, you're going to put uh, your floor leveler. Then then on top of that, you're going to put your whatever um, finished floor you're going with ceramic, your vinyl, okay. vinyl plank, floater, you know, whatever. So you are saying And when that, you buy that product, Jeff, don't you have to have like if they're gonna do that as a like a handyman type product project, they would need a special blade to cut that. Yeah, and it's it's easy. It's 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 a shelf item. Um now I will recommend wearing a, a, some sort of of dust protection. And eye uh, protection. It, it, it does have silica. Uh, uh, silica is very, very bad for your lungs. Okay. So. Yeah. So do it if you're going to be doing it. Take it outside. Cut it outside. Just it, it causes. Oh man, the dust and the nastiness. Yeah. But it's definitely awesome. wear a, wear a mask or a respirator. You do not want to breathe uh, silica dust. So you feel like she should absolutely pull that plywood subflooring out and replace it with. If it- well, you know, it, at some point, you've, you've got to look at the economic standpoint. Is it is it less money for me just to pull it out right. or or I've got to scrape it off? Bottom line, I've got to have that subfloor smooth to do my next steps. Right. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Number to call is 877-MPB-RING. And uh, it's time for our last break of the hour. If you missed any of today's tips, you can always listen back to this or other past episodes by subscribing to the podcast using any podcast app or our MPB Public Media app. This is Debbie Kassoff. I work in development with the MPB Foundation, and I'd like to wish MPB a happy 50th anniversary. Hi, this is Bill Ellison, host of Grassroots on MPB. Few artists have had greater influence on American folk and acoustic music than guitarist Doc Watson. Doc was part of the 1960s folk revival. He was also a star of the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band's early 70s classic Will the Circle Be Unbroken album. And he's in the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame. Doc is also a frequent guest in the Bluegrass Cabin, so come see us on Grassroots Saturday night at 8 on MPB Think Radio. Hi, it's Ari Shapiro from NPR. In challenging times, it can be helpful to take a moment to think about the things we're grateful for, like family or a good meal, or listening to a well-told story here on this station. 
Public Radio has been by your side all year, serving you and your community with thorough, dedicated news coverage. This Giving Tuesday, consider showing your gratitude by donating. Here's how. Make a contribution to MPB Think Radio at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Fixin' 101 right here on MPB Think Radio. The Handyman Hangout may be closed, but we're taking a look back at some of our favorite and most interesting calls that we received right here on the show. Enjoy. All right, let's go to the uh, phones. Marsha's on the line in Jackson, and uh, her shower doesn't seem to have an access panel. I've been through this before. What's going on, Marsha? Hey, I got two questions to listen to you about leaks in the shower, and as far as I know, I don't have one. But first of all, is there a way to detect the shower that is totally enclosed? It doesn't have any access. Mm-hmm. And second, should I have somebody install an access? Well, uh, possible? The, uh, okay. Good questions. I'll say this. I installed access in my home. I went to the other side. Like Jeff was saying earlier, my bathroom backs up to a closet. Uh, my, right. my, my, you know, uh, my master backs up to the master closet. So I went into the master closet uh, and cut out a hole and made it, you know, I mean, made, I made it so that I could put it back and it would be nice looking. But yes, in order to get okay. to your plumbing. Yeah. Uh, do you have a whirlpool next to your or a bathtub next to the shower? It's a, well, no, there isn't a bathtub. It's just a shower. I had, okay. I had it re, redone several years ago. Oh, okay. They installed okay. the shower, and it's, uh, the bathtub's in the other bathroom. Um, and it does back up to the master closet. Now, how, should I make it uh, human-sized, or does it have to Well, well Marsha, hang on just a second now. Okay. Don't right. Don't. Don't just go cut an access hole because you want to look in there. Let, let, let's let's first of all. I'd like to first say, oops. Well, yeah. Before I'm going to start cutting access holes and things, I, I want to at least think I have a problem. And the way I would think I have a problem is I'm getting some sort of indication that I've got a problem. Uh, my, like water. Wet, like, like my stain um, on sheetrock, um, swelling. Floor yeah, yeah, molding. yeah. Swelling on baseboards, right. swelling of floors. Mildewy I, smells. Yes, yes. Okay. I, I, I want to have some sort of indication to say, wait a minute, I've got a problem versus, man, everything looks good. I'm just going to cut a hole in this wall. Yeah, well, you, you follow see, me? I just, yeah, I just kind of, I'm. I was a Girl Scout. I wanted to be right, Marcia. See, I look, I agree with you, Marcia, 100%. <laughs> And let me say this. The reason why I cut a hole in the wall of my closet was because I got a new sawzall. I was going to say, he got a new tool. Tried. Now we've got it. <laughs> now the truth uh-huh. comes out. Hey, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what am I going to cut up in the I'm going to find something in my house yes, that I can cut up. I can right. cut up. <laughs> oh, boy. And it works nicely. Yeah. It does. It does, yeah. Good yes. uh, By the way, uh, uh, <laughs> pro tip, don't put a sawzall in a wall with a plumbing. Or electrical. Or electrical. Pro tip. Right. So. All right. Uh, thanks, Marsha. I hope that helps out. Yeah, it does. Thank okay. You. Well, we're talking about the cutoffs, and uh, we have, if you think about it, you've got kind of two different sorts of cutoffs. You've got a main or a master, right? And then you have an in- individual or supply. And let me, let me explain that. So let's just talk water, okay? Let's say you have a main water cutoff valve at the street, 
or yes. in, you know, yes. in your yard, yes, whatever. At, at the meter, right? But you also have a little valve under your sink that yes. you can turn off for just that one place, right? Right. So, so you have, like I said, the main which cuts off all the water, or you can uh, cut off an individual supply. Called the the stop, the plumbing stop. Right. Now, the plumbing stop, a lot of places where you might have to deal with the plumbing stop on a DIY situation is, let's say you need to change a toilet um, or or something like that. You're going to need uh, to turn the water off, at least at that toilet, you know, so that you don't get any mess. Now, I will say the valves that they use for those are junk and you might end up having to replace it because I mean they only cost about a buck thirty, and that's why they don't work very well. Well, right. we don't use them very they're, often. They're not. Right. They're not designed to be cut on and cut off. Nope. Not a lot. Nope. Maybe so, once or twice. That, that's right. That's <laughs> really? right. Really? Yeah. And you you know there was uh, as a builder there were some problems with some valves a couple of years ago. Yep. And uh, it was a bad. I, me- I remember something about a bad it. batch yeah, or something. Yeah. There was a batch of them that came in on new construction, and people were coming home to flooded houses. No, no. And it was coming from those valves. Well, and to think of those now, when we talk the main or master and individual, as I mentioned before, like you said, the water valve. One of the things we were talking about in the break, uh, some people are doing now. And now, Jeff, you mentioned this is happening on most houses being built. That's right. Is that there is a second? Um, I guess main in well, the, the home. The, the, yeah, the water line that we bring from the meter to the house to feed the house, we put a cutoff there. Uh-huh. Typically, going to be in the utility room, a closet mm-hmm. somewhere, and it's and it's typically going to be on the front part of the house. How do I identify that? Um, there. Most likely will be a a door that you mm-hmm. open and you will see a, a inline valve. It had of a handle on it. If the handle is in line with the pipe, uh-huh. now when then, you're saying these things, on, this thing does it look like a does it look like an outside faucet spigot? No, no, no. Okay. no it's a it's a it's a it's what do you a call that? it's a quarter turn. Oh, a quarter turn. So yeah, it's just it's a, a quarter turn valve, like a doorknob, one of those doorknob yeah, kind yeah, of things. Yeah, 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 like a lever, a lever, like, like a lever, a Thank lever. You. And and knob. if it's in line with the pipe, it's on. If it's perpendicular to the pipe, it's off. It's off. Okay. So, that, and you'll see those. And this is my question because we point them out to uh, our clients all the time in new construction. You're going to put a shut off. Behind a washing machine? Yeah. Now, how am I going right. to get to that in an emergency? Right. That's right. right. <laughs> well, typically, that's not where we're going to put it. Right. So, well, now, mistakes houses, happen. Mistakes happen. They'll put them. Yeah. Yeah. And two, it's not It's not horrible. It takes a millisecond as you're going on vacation, packing the suitcase. Oh, Hey, would you run and cut that water valve off real quick? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes it takes two seconds. You go cut it off and you go out of town. And that stops all the stories that Jeff, the horrifying stories that Jeff tells us about every couple of weeks where someone left town for two weeks with the water break. With water, the, yeah. water, right, yeah. water coming out of the front door. Right. Hey, let's uh, let's keep moving. We've got, uh, I think, Preston on the line in four corners. What's going on, Preston? Hey, I've got an off-the-wall question. I don't know if you guys have answered it before or not, but it says, uh, do fish and other water critters drink? If so, do they do salt water or fresh water? All right, so uh, do fish drink is the question. (laughs) 
I, I, let me tell you, I know I have I have a couple of I've got a, con, a couple of contractors here in the room. I've never and, seen a fish at the bar. All right, but, I but you know what? I've seen people drink like a fish. I have too. With all the expertise in the room, I'm going to ask Java because you'll get just as good an answer there as you will anyone at this table. What is the show going to? I mean, yeah, this used to be a home improvement thing. It used to be. Right, yeah. All right, thanks, Preston. We appreciate it, man. All right, let's go on to Lisa in uh, Strayhorn. What's going on, Lisa? Got moles. You got moles. Got moles. Not the pretty kind. Not the pretty kind. Of the <laughs> um, you know, uh, feral cat. Um, a feral <laughs> cat, yeah. Nice. We got, no, we got, we got 30 of those. <laughs> they ain't he, mine. They're not mine, but uh, there's like 30 of those on the property. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, stop feeding them. Here's the thing, yeah. With a feral cat, people's like, "Oh, I got feral cats," but if you feed them, they're not feral. Like a, they're not feral anymore. <laughs> I mean, if you feed them just enough to keep them around your place and then let them hunt, because once you feed them, they lose ability not lose ability, they lose a want to hunt because uh, oh, you're feeding them. But here, here's the thing. Here's a product that will assist you. Okay, it is made. It is a product that's made for ants. Okay, but a byproduct of that is it'll make moles move. It won't kill them. It'll make them move. Okay, so what happens is it's called Bifin LP. It's a granular, and okay. um, it runs about. Oh, uh, uh, is that like Bifin? B I spell it. Like what? Can you spell it? Oh, yeah. it's B I F E N, and then the initial behind it is L slash P, okay. and it's a granular that comes in twenty five pound bags. Um, what, what what kind of packaging would that look like? Is it like a fire ant thing? Is it a pretty much? It comes in. A, it's a sand that's been impregnated with biofin right uh, uh, chemicals. No, you don't know. Uh, well, well biofin it you spray on wash. Okay, but this is biofin LP. It's a granular that you put in the ground. It's the same product, but it comes in a granular, and every time it rains, it puts it in the ground and it kills everything in the ground, as far as uh, grubs and worms and things. And what it does, it gets rid of the things that the moles are looking for. Now, granted, it is not labeled for moles. You're putting it out for ants, but a byproduct is it will make the moles move. It'll assist you in that area. Okay, but we have a pond at the bottom of the hill. Okay, you have to be careful with that because of the runoff factor. If you can stay about 50 yards away from the pond, at least 30, you'll be good uh, as far as runoff. And if it's – another thing is it depends on how steep your embankment is as uh, far as runoff. Uh, yes, so it, on the back of the bifin, it, it, it gives you all that calculation as to how to figure up on your runoff into your pond. Now, it, <clears throat> that is a factor. Like I said, when you do have creeks and, and ponds, you have to take that in. But on the back of the bag, it, it gives you uh, uh, the calculation as to how far to stay away from those those waters. Maybe they just make this matter quick feed the dang cats outside. You don't have to worry about it, and then chill them. Right. Well, that's true. I mean, they will start stop. hunting once you stop feeding the yeah, cats. Stop feeding the cats. <laughs> <laughs> about the food bill. Yeah, about the food bill. Yeah. Right. That was right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this look back at some of our favorite and most interesting calls right here on Fixing 101. Now, Fixing 101 is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Now, for our illustrious hosts, Jeff Sammons, Pam Pibus, and Jason Klein, I'm Java Chapman, the man behind the boards, and join us next Wednesday as we bring you another great show of Fix It 101 right here on MPB Think Radio.